Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're too kind, really. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the May 2013 podcast from MikeGarrigan.com. My name is Mike Garrigan. Um, uh, man. Yeah, man, I'm sorry. I just had this really weird dream that, um, you were playing this gig. Or I, I don't know. It was weird. I was playing a gig and then you were playing the guitar and all these people were clapping, but it was like awesome, but strange. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. It's just a little disorienting to just wake up and then jump in to do a podcast, but, um. Anyway, my name is Murray, and uh, we're here, and it's going to be a good show. And if this is your first time joining us, what we're doing in this podcast series, it's it's a monthly podcast show. It comes out once a month, and on each show we're going to highlight uh, three demos from my forthcoming record called The Echoes of Winter. And I'm excited because all the songs are written. We're just talking about how the album gets put together, and... Um, so it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun for me, and, and Murray enjoys it as well, I think. I do, and it's a chance for me to sort of, you know, I read the mail and, and uh, participate the best way I can. But uh, this show, um, I think the title is Detours, and I guess, what are, what are we, why is it called Detours? Well, I think when, you know, you write a, a record like The Echoes of Winter, and it, it carries these sort of cliches that it's going to be this somber, uh, pensive, dark, moody sparse record and and uh so in an effort to not um relegate it to uh cliche what i wanted to do was share some of the uh sillier songs or, or songs that sort of step out of that uh, assumed uh identity that winter takes on and just um you know kick around some ideas and, and see what what maybe i was thinking so uh, before we do the songs and share the songs, it's been tradition that we kind of talk about, you know, what's going on this month, too. And So do you have any shows coming up that you'd like everyone to know about? Yeah, there's two. Um, on May 4th, it's it's a Saturday, um, I'll be playing a solo acoustic show with the group Gravity's Pull in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, at a club called The Local 506. You can find information at local506.com. And it should be good. It's their reunion show. And uh, Mark, uh, the singer, Mark Ivanich is someone who uh, I do a lot of recording with. He has a band called Misfit Kid, and um, I've recorded a couple songs for him over the past couple of years. So it'll be good to play a show cool. uh, with that group. And um, are you doing Stage It again? You had a Stage It show this past month. And um, tell us about your Stage It experience. Yeah, Stage It is this great online music venue, and basically the uh, artist will log in to stage it.com and say hey i'm going to do a show and and tells you know i tell the fans and then the fans log in and i broadcast from a webcam and and uh, line into some some gear to make it sound as good as i can and then the fans uh, get to watch it on their computer it's been pretty cool and you broadcast from two egrets last time yeah right where we're sitting now recording this podcast i um just went live to the world it was pretty cool i mean uh the the feedback i got was that it was uh it sounded better than the first one and the set was a little more predictable i played you know some of the obvious um hits if you could call them hits from my catalog um but it was good 
and uh, it laid the way for the next stage at show. And this, I understand, is going to be you and Mark doing your acoustic duo show on stage it. Yeah, this will be uh, Mark Cano and Mike Garrigan live on stage it. It's our first stage it show, and uh, we'll just see what happens. You know, this is going to be um, us doing Athenaeum and Collapses songs, as well as some of our recent solo songs, basically stuff we do in our set, and you, you might have seen some of it on YouTube recently. Uh, but that show is May 12th. It's a Saturday evening at 9 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, log in if you're in the U.S. I think you can watch it as long as you have a um, a flash-enabled device of some kind. You can watch it, usually computers, but some of the smartphones and tablets don't enable flash, so it'll tell you if you can watch it or not. But anyway, May 12th, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Log in to stageit.com. Search Mike uh, Garrigan and Mark Cano, and you'll find our show. That sounds check cool. Us out. I, I'm going to be there. I mean, I'm always there, you know. Um, but I I did some house sitting for you this mm-hmm. weekend because yeah. you went um, you kind of went on the road. I did. You? Me and and Holly and my daughter Ivy, we all went to New Bern, North Carolina, which is a small coastal town. Um, if you're familiar with any of the Nicholas Sparks novels, that's where he I guess he lives there, but he sets a lot of his his work there. Um, it's also the the birthplace of Pepsi Cola. Uh, and uh, it's the place of a really cool historical um, event or, or place, museum, uh, just thing called the Tryon Palace. Um, but anyway, great, great city. Uh, we had a great time and had a great show at a place called the Trent River Coffee Company. Um, and I, I, the, looking at the, the video that I took and some of the audio, I think it came out pretty well, but mm-hmm. I'll probably be posting a clip or two over the next month from that show. So you, uh, it was you, a great time. You said it, New Bern was the birthplace of Pepsi? Yeah. Did they have any sort of museum or something yeah. that would allow you to experience that? Yeah, it was basically they have the drugstore where it was um, where it was discovered, or I guess created by the, the drugstore owners on this corner street. You know, it's sort of, you, you miss it if you're not looking for it, but it was set up and it was very, you know, just maybe, maybe two or three spaces of a commercial, um, traditional commercial small town, uh, storefront. Uh, but in it, you could go in, you pay 50 cents and you get uh, a small Pepsi from, from the fountain. It was really, yeah, would, really cool. I enjoyed I would it. I love to do that. That sounds really relaxing. Uh, I like boating personally, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, well, I'll let you pick the songs this um, month. So why don't you, um, you can introduce them and sort of give your feedback as they come along. What's the first yeah. song? Oh, this first one is one of my favorites. It's called Bridges to Nowhere. Jugabug, bugs and jars, jars from cars, cars in a landslide from B-sides. The life wide, wise and doors and bridges to nowhere, bridges to nowhere. Where and when, when to jump, jump and beam, beans and tanks, tanks and 
I guess the first thing I want to ask you about is this song has some different instrumentation than what I'm used to. What is that? Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't sound like a guitar. It sounds like a really tiny guitar. What is that instrument? That's a ukulele. And uh, ukulele is a, um, I, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, I think it's a Hawaiian instrument, as, as the guitar is, I think. The electric guitar comes from, uh, has a lot of its roots in Hawaii. But anyway, it's a it's a, it's a guitar, uh, but it's a, well, it's let me okay. start over. Sorry. Take, take um, your time, bro. It's okay. I, I mean, it, it's kind of, these questions are a little bit out of the blue. Yeah, um, ukulele is like a tiny acoustic guitar that's tuned. This is a soprano ukulele, so it's tuned up to, as if you were, playing from the fifth fret or putting a capo on the fifth fret so it's very uh high and somewhat tinny at times but um it's a cool instrument and i and i um this isn't the first time i've used it but it's the first time i've written on it where did you use it uh, before it makes a really small appearance on pillar of the sun um it, the song seminal train has a riff in the beginning is like da na na da da na 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 da na that kind of thing, and I reinforced it with ukulele and I blended it with a strat, so it sort of blends together into this really cool, uh, very firm sounding part. Why did you write a song on the ukulele? I got one. I was doing some jingles uh, a couple years ago, and and I had a ukulele, and, and the song I was doing required it, uh, and I've had it laying around, so I thought, you know, why not pick up the guitar or the ukulele and try to write something on it. And there were three songs, actually four songs written um, for this whole collection, the 33 song collection. Uh, one of them was thrown out, but there are three on the reel that, that will get shared. Actually, um, did we do Quiet Imposter? I don't think we've, don't we, you haven't debuted A Quiet Imposter yet. It's a good song. It's a little more um, somber. Uh, but do you think it's hard to write a sad song on a ukulele? Yes, it's exceedingly challenging <laughs> to to take things into a sad space. Uh, it's such it's such a tiny, happy instrument that um, it's difficult. I, I did it on one of the songs. Yeah, but um, this song isn't necessarily happy either. It's a kind of sound silly, but underneath you're talking about uh, bridges to nowhere and there's all this nonsense. And the way I read that is... Um, I feel like maybe you think you're in a rut. Hmm. Well, I hadn't really planned to, to get into that, but you know, yeah, I mean, there is a grind in life, and and lately I have made an effort to change things up. I mean, you um, did a song called Rosencrantz is going nowhere, and this is Bridges to Nowhere. So, you know, what do you think's going on with you? I think we all, I mean, and part of life is that you have a grind or a thing that you do every day, a schedule, and I think that. You know, what I've noticed lately is if I don't be proactive about changing things up and doing things differently, maybe changing the schedule a little bit every three or four months that I just feel trapped and stagnant no matter mm -hmm. what I'm doing. Well, what um, what are some things that you're specifically doing to change things up? I'd like to know because, I mean, I don't really change my schedule at all. Well, one thing I'm trying to do is I'd, I'd like to get more sleep um, before I was getting about four or five hours a night. And I was justifying it by saying, well, you know, I'm a working dad and I have um, – I have a two-year-old and I have to spend time, but, you know, I'm really getting just tired. So I'm um, trying to get more sleep, at least seven hours, um, trying to use better, make better use of my mm -hmm. time, better time management. What about like um, exercise? Do you feel like when you're on a, um, like a treadmill, you're not going anywhere? Well, yeah, I mean, treadmills, I, I use the elliptical machine because it's a little better on the joints. Um, but, you know, rather than doing just daily exercise, um, trying to find more goal-directed and goal-oriented exercise, like working up to a 
to a goal like a, a race or maybe some sort of strength goal. And that's that's always been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm keeping something new on the horizon. What are you going to work towards? I'd really like to run this half marathon uh, down at Disney. I hope I can register in time, but we're trying to work out the, the details. But that'd be fun, just a, a good a good road race, 13 miles. It's not, um, it's not, it's a lot. Uh, but it's not too much that it just causes all kinds of physical mayhem for me, which marathons yeah. unfortunately do. So I guess you're talking about the, the good way to break the mold of feeling like you're doing things every day. One one way is to embrace, um, I don't know, these things that actually have a real tangible payoff rather than just turn over and over and over again. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I like to do an album or always be working on an album of songs because you know, when that thing finally comes out, you finally get it in the mail, you finally see it on iTunes. Uh, most of the time I feel like a real sense of accomplishment and that's, um, I think important for motivation. Yeah, I agree. Well, while we're talking about the grind, um, you know, this daily life that seems to repeat itself, I wanted to get into the next song that it's sort of a variation on this theme. And I think you, you really paint it well. Um, the song is called Secretly Peculiar. goes through the motions he's just a simple man apart from the world with total devotion to his simple simple plan and the clock on the wall is unusually small And his heart is a fool for a change Secretly peculiar, brilliantly acquired Different and the same Evening was there, he read it in the paper Debates it as he can Alone at the door It feels like the millionth time He's just a simple man And the clock on the wall Is unusually small And his heart is a fool for a change Secretly peculiar Brilliantly acquired Different and the
so the thing I notice about this song is it, it doesn't sound like it was written for winter. This, this, if I'm not mistaken, I remember you telling me this was one that was written before uh, the demo and writing process began. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I think in 2000, I think it was 2010 or 2011, um, I was really active in song pitching and jingle writing. And um, we got every week you'd get you know, write a song uh, for this movie, and here's the general gist of it. They would never tell you exactly what the movie was, but there was sort of like, you know, a character you'd write for. And I did, I did what seemed like a hundred of these, but this one uh, was the was one of the ones I did that really I was like, man, this is a good song. I'm going to hang on to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, the song was rejected, or unfortunately, whichever, <laughs> ever way you want to look at it. Um, the song was rejected and I just hung on to it and, um, I said, you know, that when we do the next demo reel, mm-hmm. um, just throw this into the queue and, 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 and do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's different about this song for me as a listener than the last song is, well, the last song is a bunch of jumbled, uh, sort of nonsensical stuff put together and sort of, you're saying bridges to nowhere and, isn't that how life is? It's sort of a series of random events that is by and large very plotless yet um, resonates with us all. Um, this song, however, in my opinion, it gives me in a view of an of the interior life, mm-hmm. maybe your brain or the character you were writing for. But it seems like you know this is a portrait of of the modern uh, modern worker, you yeah, know, like you and I. It's like that. I mean, I think we all have an interior life that is is much richer than uh, what actually is. I don't know if that's for survival or if that's just uh, what the you know psychological community calls the ego, <laughs> whatever. I don't know much about that, but um, I do know that you know interior wise, uh, I think of my life differently. You know, the whole different but the same. Um, it's kind of a cool image, I thought, but I hung yeah. on to it and. Um, I don't know if it'll make the record, but it's definitely uh, in the pool. Yeah, know? and um, I got we got um, one mail uh, mailbag uh, letter, and I'm going to read it to you. And it has to do with um, before I read it, I notice you know when we're in here, we look at the uh, waveforms, and all of the ones usually have two, meaning it's like a stereo waveform for the mm-hmm. songs but this last one you did has just one and yeah. i think that means it's in mono that's correct it, it is just a uh, one track mm-hmm. and this this question comes from horatio and horatio asks uh dear mike i read on your blog that you champion the mono recordings of the 60s over stereo recordings why isn't stereo better mm-hmm. mono sounds dull to me thanks yeah well you know there is um, there's a couple reasons for preferring mono to stereo, and the first comes with um, just the times of the 60s. Um, the studios were recording things in mono, so when you hear a record that was recorded in mono uh, in stereo, um, and usually that's because someone from that record label came behind and said, we need to do a quick stereo mix of this album where the artist spent maybe weeks or months on the mono version, you're not really hearing what the artist intended you to hear. And this is particularly the case with all of the Beatles records up to um, when they went stereo, uh, which was with um, right around the White Album. They started going 
producing in stereo, but um, the last two for sure, Abbey Road and Let It Be, were in, in stereo. But all those records, uh, I think, should be heard in mono, and some of the Dylan records of the 60s are the same way. Uh, Pet Sounds is another one that sounds to me better in mono. Um, but anyway, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Um, but that's one issue. And, and the second issue is that uh, with mono recordings, uh, taken out of the context of the decade or time in which they were recorded, uh, there is no uh, width to them. There's only depth, and with depth there comes power. And so I think r- recordings that are done in mono mono properly have much more power and impact, and I, I like that better for some reason. It just sits on my ear better. Now, that being said, you can do a lot of things with stereo. You can do camera tricks, you can pan, um, all kinds of silly stuff. Um, here, check this out. Let's let's use some panning. I'm I'm being panned right now across the stereo field. How cool is that? Isn't that neat? Isn't that great? Isn't it better if it's just right in the middle? Yeah, but I we, so. But you know, at the same time, we hear in stereo um, binaurally, as they call it. And can't you do more with you know imaging and? Mm-hmm. and and just sort of giving someone a sense of space. You can, and and those places only really translate when you're sit you're sitting directly in front of speakers, um, or if you're listening on earbuds, which a lot of people do. They listen on headphones now. But you know, um, I just like mono better. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I like some things better than others. Uh, do you think you'll ever do a record in mono? I would love to, um, and I think that's something that that I'll address after the winter record's done. Um, I'm feeling a need to do a acoustic and vocal record only, and that might be a good place to do something in mono. But it'd also be cool to do something that harkens back to some of the styles uh, from the 60s and and record and produce them in mono, Mm -hmm. um, which is a totally different mindset. Wasn't the Garrigan Brothers album that you guys were working Mm -hmm. on, wasn't that going to be in mono? It was talked about, and I think the project sort of devolved into... um, for lack of a better term, just a bunch of fart jokes. So, um, you know, um, there's some bigger (laughs) issues at play with that record. But, yeah, something is in the works um, for the future. Good. Well, I wanted to, the the third song I wanted to play on the show, um, you know, we're calling this show Detours. I want to think of the concept of a detour sort of as a departure, and I wanted to play something that this one seemed particularly uh, different from anything I've heard from you. And it also has had a sense of playfulness to it. So uh, this next song is called Plush Worm. I used to stand as a self-made man Sharp and cool with a fresh suntan Joy Division was on the radio Pressure it can fall through your hands Complicate comprehension Tell me no, tell me no, tell me no Is this what we 
tank, fire the flank. Iron ships with the hips in the sink. I guess there's nowhere left to go. There's a worm on the table. Oversold like a fable. And is this all there is? Is this what we get worse from? There's a worm on the table. Oversold like a fable. And is this all there is? Is this what we get worse from? Yeah, the first thought I had when I, I heard this song was that you'd completely lost your mind. Um, but now that I hear it a couple more times, it, it definitely has this cool stream of consciousness thing that, um, and it's it seems like it's unedited, like you just sort of put it out there. Yeah, you know? this is one of the ones that was just, just sort of unfiltered, you know, there's really little editing <laughs> when obviously, but just writing what came to mind and, and rhymes that sound good, rhyming for rhyme's sake and just, you know, not really worrying about is this song any good, but just sort of getting at what I'm feeling and um it was a cool moment. So what what exactly were you feeling for this song? This one I remember being, you know, I remember when my daughter was born, she was born in December of of oh ten, you know, or whatever you call it, of two thousand ten. And um, that first winter, um, I felt like all all we did was just, uh, we weren't sleeping, but we were staying inside. We couldn't really go outside. There was a lot of snow that winter, and it was just, uh, felt trapped, you know, inside. And so I would I would write songs about things I saw, and she had a little plush worm. So I wrote, you know, there's a, there's a worm on the table, and it, it, is, what it, <laughs> it what, is what it is, sort of like a photograph. Um, and it was cool, you know, and I really liked um, the jam in yeah. this song. It just has a cool groove to it. It does. It reminds me of some of the stuff from, like, the summer album, like Summer Machine or, um, you know, where you had just a riff and it was, mm-hmm. was rocking. It was cool. And, and I don't think you did that on Autumn no. or um, Spring. So maybe that's one thing that could connect them. Yeah, maybe, you know, and, I, and this one is definitely on the margin. This was one that was like, nah, I'm not going to record it, but when I hear it, I like it. So if you're out there and you actually listen to this podcast, uh, let me know what you think of these songs. I'd, I'd like to know um, just, you know, so I can gauge whether or not to just uh, trust my instinct and throw them in the trash <laughs> uh, sometimes or, or uh, embrace them and produce them. So mm-hmm. um, I'm here for you. Um, I'm making this record for you all and for myself, too. So um, thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I think everyone appreciates you being willing to share this stuff in the in the raw form. But you know, if I'm I'm going to sort of steer the ship here, if if I may, um, I wanted to point out that it seems like in this discussion of, of detours, you know, what we've really explored here is the concept of of uh, the daily grind, just this concept of doing things over and over again, and maybe one of the themes that that exists in this project is um, examination. Of, of that sort of aspect of life. It seems kind of cold. It seems kind of distant, but you can explore it in a fun way or in a way that's sort of bouncy. 
I like the first song. Uh, Mm-hmm. very image oriented in the second song or very sort of stream of consciousness in the third song. You, know, yeah. you say, is this all there is? Um, so I think that's what you're talking about with these three. And uh, that's just what I think. Yeah. Well, thank you for the insight. I, I didn't, didn't see him that way, but um, you know, what's there is there. And um, so but anyway, we're coming to the end. Uh, we want to keep these at a half hour, but I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Once again, I'm on the web at mikegarrigan.com. Um, I have all kinds of stuff, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz there. Uh, you can look for me there. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please tell a friend about the podcast. I'll see you at the next show and, and, uh, we'd love to get your letters and responses. So, uh, we're happy to read them on the air. Um, talk to you next time. Be well. Talk to you later. I'm Mike Garrigan. And I'm Murray and thanks for listening. Um, love to get your questions. You can email me, murray at mikegarrigan.com. I'll be sure to get it. Uh, See you next time. I'm beginning to think that this wasn't just a dream, 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 a